the same. Some people serve in a certain way, others serve in another. Some people serve the church in their prayer. They are devoted to saying, I'm going to pray for our church. I'm going to pray for each and every person. I'm going to find out who they are. I'm going to get their names, and I'm going to pray for them every day. But the problem is this, though. This is where it gets a little complicated. In our humanity, we see them, the prayers, the, you know, the one that prays all the time, they show up to church, and maybe they don't help put the chairs away. Maybe they don't help set things up. And we think, man, they don't know how to serve. <laughs> and, and that's our humanity, because we, we see them in a way that, if I'm doing it, they should be doing it too. And the reality is this, our humanity in our service to God has to stay in place with our mindset being that we are serving God. And I'm not worried about what they're doing. I'm not worried about what they're doing. I'm worried about making my Heavenly Father happy. How do I serve Him? There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Okay? And there are varieties of activities. I mean, there are different things that we do. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So, uh, you know, some of you know uh, Chris. You know, he has his uh, shoe company. He's, he's uh, um, I don't want to say renovating. He's repairing shoes, bringing them back to life. He also does custom shoes. Like, he, if you send an image to him, you're like, hey, man, can I get this on a shoe? And he's like, yeah, $2,000. Don't worry. No, I'm just kidding. He's not that expensive. <laughs> no. But um, what I'm saying is that he does this custom art, and the idea is that he's, he has this activity that he does, but it's the same God who empowers him in that thought. He's saying, like, I want to do this. And then how does he do it, and how does it serve the kingdom? I don't know. That's how God empowers him. He finds a way and says, I can do this for God. And in the same way, there are things that we do that are holy, <laughs> holy things, good things, that God empowers us to serve the kingdom in. So we, we, uh, I know a dentist. I know a dentist who they literally said, I, we believe that God put us in this position as dentists to help missionaries and pastors, and we serve them by helping them with their teeth. And they're, and they're staying healthy in their mouth. And, and the reality of it is that there's a service, there's an activity, that's something that they do, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So again, we're not all meant to do the same thing. We're going to be different. We're going to have, we look different, and that's okay. We want to be different. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, again, from Scripture... We're seeing that Scripture teaches us, the Bible teaches us, that we're different and that's okay. We shouldn't be trying to force people to conform to exactly what we do, how we do it, what we like, how we like it. Uh, I'll, I'll even say this. Um, for myself, there are things that I don't like. <laughs> and I'll be honest. Like, you know, hey, have you heard this worship song, bro? I don't really listen to worship music that much. I don't. And I know you guys are like, oh, my gosh. I honestly don't. I just don't. I don't get in my car and put on worship music. I do sometimes. And if it's a song I really like, I'll listen to it. I'll play it, and I love it, you know? Uh, on the way here, I put on some music, and my wife was like, 
babe, this is just not the vibe. And I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? This is awesome. You know, and she's like, no, like, I can't even, I can't even think. It's chaos. And I'm like, no, there's a timing. I'm in my, I'm like, it's amazing. What I'm saying is that I'm different than you, and you're different than me. And that's okay. And I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not asking you to like what I like. I'm not. But I ask you, don't make me like what you like. <laughs> You know, this is the jam, you know, like, I'm like, eh, it's cool for you, you know, like, eh, go ahead. <laughs> All I'm saying is that in the church, that's what we do. We have to be careful that we're not trying to get each other to conform to what we like. We have to empower each other, encourage each other to do what God is asking of us. It's different. It looks different. And that's okay. In 1 Corinthians 12, when you're 12 through 27, it says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And this is a very practical scripture. It's, it's very easy to understand this. If the foot, in verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, and this is talking about the church, the members in the body of Christ, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Okay, let me stop there. What he's saying, he's teaching us something. Just because you don't feel like you fit in doesn't mean you don't fit in, okay? I don't feel like them. <laughs> there are introverts and extroverts, we know that, right? There are some people, when it's time to go have coffee and, and snacks, it's like, yeah, my favorite time, you know? And it's like, let's go, let's talk, you know, what's up? How's life, what's going on? Tell me about your life right now, every detail. You know, we want, we're extrovert, we'd want to do that. And there are introverts who are like, I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> Don't come talk to me. You know, like we sit there, and that's okay. We're not asking you to be something you're not. But the, the thing that Paul's teaching us is you can't say that just because you don't feel like an extrovert makes you not part of it. You're still part of it. You're still, you're still included in the idea when you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you're still part of the body. You're just different. Okay, you have a different perspective. He goes further in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. <laughs> Nor again, the head to the feet. Imagine, you know, telling in your own body to your feet, I have no need of you feet, or I have no need of you hand. Like, this is, this is essentially what he's saying that what we do when we, when we discredit the body. When we say like, oh, we, yeah, they, we don't need that. They're, they're, they're whack. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. 
And our pre unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same, may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Let me explain. Let me give you this thought. Uh, I heard this a long time ago. This pastor was saying, like, uh, you know, sin is, it doesn't have to be this big sin that comes into your life. Sometimes there's just something that, that just kind of grabs you and it holds you. And he's like, it's, he called it toehold sins. <laughs> Toe. Toehold sins. And he said, it's like this. So something grabs your toe. You know, just your toe. doesn't matter which toe. Big toe, little toe. And you're literally not able to go forward anymore. Your whole body is stuck in place because of that little thing that got a hold of maybe one of the smallest members of your body. And you're stuck, and you can't go forward because that toe holds sin. And I thought, man, that's a really good thought. There's some things that we think are not a big deal, but it literally stops, and we look like we're able to, we look like we're free. You know, our arms, we can look around, move around, but we really can't go forward. And, and the idea is that as a body, when we talk about the body of Christ, other Christians around us, uh, um, even other, other churches, you know, other ministries, other, other people in the church, and we say, like, horrible things about them. Truth is this, and I've said it before, there are bad churches, there are bad pastors, there are bad people in churches that are harmful, they're, they're toxic, they're hurtful, and that's a reality. But what I'm saying is that we have to address it in a biblical and spiritually-minded way. Where if we're attacking everything we don't like, you know, well, that church over there, they listen to rap music. I don't like rap music, you know. <laughs> that's, that's ungodly, you know. Or, or, or that church over there, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't even, I really don't know how to, like, <laughs> make fun of this. But, <laughs> um, you know, you, you just come up with some, some reason why that church over there, you know. And, and, or that, that Christian or that person. And what, what Paul's teaching us, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And, and that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Meaning like this, we see something wrong that we don't look at it and think like, we don't need them, cut them off. But we see something wrong and say, we need to fix that. Because if we're part of the same body and something's wrong, infection happens, right? Right? Decay. Uh, uh, you know, all the things that can infect our body from something small. And looking at us as a whole, as, as a mosaic, as what God is doing in the bigger picture of things, we have to understand that things are different. People look different. That's okay. They're not going to do things just like us. The church down the street, you know, the church over there, the Spanish church that meets before us, they're different. If Jesus is the center of their life and the center of their church, okay, and they are biblically centered, I'm not talking about weirdo cult ones, okay, I'm talking about Christian churches that have a foundational truth attached to Scripture and Jesus Christ as Lord, okay? If those churches are different than us, we should be celebrating them. Thank God they exist because they're reaching people that we're not. If there's a church down the street, 
who I worked with, a guy, or the pastor I worked with in Germany, he said, bro, like when I went there and I told him, hey, we're going we're gonna to try to start a church. And he was like, awesome, where are you going to be at? And I was like, I don't know. And I was thinking in my head, I don't, like, don't want to like, you know, like be close to him because I'm sure he's going to get like, you know, territorial. And he was like, this is where I am. He's like, if, you, if you're going to move in there, I'll tell you where the buildings are available. And I was like, oh. He's like, the way I see it is like this. If people are coming down the street and they walk into my building, because I'm there first, I want everybody that walks in down this street to go into your building, because you're there. He's I want to work together. I want to reach as many people as possible. And the reality when we look at other churches, it's not, it's not a competition to say, like, they're better, they're worse. It's to say, man, I'm so glad they exist. And I'm so glad they're reaching somebody. I'm so glad there are people in there getting the Bible, knowing Jesus, uh, edifying each other, fellowshipping with one another, to see that in action. Because the reality is this, when we look at ourselves and our lives, and we have to understand that we could be the one that is broken. We could be the peace that is, is hurt or not functioning correctly. And, and this is the thing. God still wants to use you. That's the thing. You, you look at the mosaic. He takes some of the pieces. They look broken. They look chipped. They're not, they're not straight and flat. Like, I don't know if we can put it up. But it's not straight and flat and clean cut. It's, it's broken. It's chipped. It's like, oh, uh, it's like, mm. And that's the reality of, of what we do. Like, the way we look, we're not perfect. And God still wants to use us. Sometimes you even think to yourself, a piece of me is broken. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not whole. And, and, and the reality is this, that sometimes God allows some things to happen. He sees it going on, but he, he wants you. He wants to know you. He wants to get close to you. And these things happen, and we feel so broken. And we think, God can never use me because I'm broken. But God sees you, and he's like, oh, you'd fit perfect right here. That's the way he sees us. You would fit perfectly I needed you to go right there so I can finish this big picture. I just needed, I needed it the way you are. I can use you. Your broken and misaligned life. I see value there. Where you see it as like, oh, I, I'm, I'm not whole like everybody else. I didn't grow up with this perfect family. I was missing this my entire life. And God says, that's okay. I can use you. I, I, I know where I can use I'm, I'm doing this big masterpiece, and, and you're part of it. God says, what I create is a masterpiece. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter that you think you're not shaped correctly. I know I can use you. What matters is that you trust God to place you where you need to be. That's what matters. That we say, Lord, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm going to trust you that you're going to put me where I need to be. That's the reality of what we're doing. It is not our work that has value. It is God's work in us and through us that is of most value. I want to read to you. I, I kind of summed up David. Okay, There was David, King David. David was not perfect. David... Let me, let me start. He was born to Jesse. He was the youngest of eight sons. He was anointed by Samuel, the prophet, to be a king. Okay? He killed Goliath. He was a warrior. 
at a young age. He was, you know, well known at a young age. Okay? Was a musician that played for the king. He became the king of Judah at 30 years old. At about 37, 38, he became the king of Israel and conquered Jerusalem. He made plans to build a temple. And then his life takes this redirection where it says he's, he sees this woman and he has an affair with her. He sees her and he has an affair with her. And here we're talking about this guy that God was using. God was positioning. Everybody saw him and they're like, oh man, this guy's awesome. You know, he's a man of God. You know, this and, that. and then he sees this woman has an affair with her. And then he tries to have her husband killed. You know, and, th and this is the, I don't know if you know the story, but let me, let me share some of it with you. David sees this, in the Bible, this is in the Bible, okay? It's not a movie. <laughs> David sees this lady. Uh, it says she was bathing on the roof. And so he's kind of a perv, and he's watching her. <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, he's watching her. Um, and, and he's watching her, and then he, because he's king, he, he calls her in and has an affair with her. And what happens is he finds out that her husband is an elite warrior, and he's, just, he's, just, he's in the uh, military. He's, he's an elite warrior. And, and what happens is she gets pregnant. And so David tries to cover it up. So he tells the husband, hey, man, you know, because they're at war at this time. The country's at war. And so he tells the husband, hey, you're, you're working hard, bro. Go take a break and go be with your wife. Because he's trying to get him to sleep with her so the pregnancy's covered up. So the guy tells him, you know, he tells him the king. He says, king, I thank you, but I can't do that. And, the, and David's like, what do you mean you can't do it? He's like, because if I do that, my men, you know, I, I'm thinking of my men. They're still at war. I can't go have a good time if my men are still at war. So I can't do that. And David's like, no, 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 go home. Go be with your wife. He's like, I can't do that. He's a man of integrity. He's like, I can't do that. And so we look at it, and, and then uh, uh, basically he would not go home and sleep with his wife. So David sends papers, like uh, basically instructs them to put him at the front line so that he would die. So he takes the instruction from the king, David, and takes it to you know, the other soldiers and says, this is where I'm going. He took his own death like wish. like He took it and, and, and followed it and died. And this is all from David, this guy that God was using. He kills the husband in war. He marries Bathsheba, the first child they have. They have, they have a, a one, one son initially, and then he dies, and then has another son named Solomon, who later becomes King Solomon, who we read in the Bible was the wisest king of all time. On his other sons, Absalom, one of his other sons, Absalom, destroys half the kingdom by basically like, you know, stealing the people away. He was, you know, basically at the gate, just convincing everybody he's a better king. Um, he appoints King Solomon and dies after reigning 40 years. And we read about this guy, David, and, and we read about him and think like, man, like God was using him, and then he just messed up and all these negative things, and God still used him. And the reality is this, that we are not perfect. Every single one of us are not perfect. And God still took him and used him and placed him in what we read about. You know, how, you, know how, you know how solid he is in the place that God put him? Jesus is a descendant of David. The bloodline of Jesus was from David. We see this. 
Okay? We see this, that there's, there's a history there. And, and the reality is that, you know, we look at Scripture and we find out that God used this guy who was not perfect, broken, selfish, lustful, um, did all these things, and God still uses him. We read, though, that David repents. He finds out he was wrong. He knows it. A prophet goes and tells him, you were wrong. And, and David's like, I know. And he does this whole song and, and sings of repentance and how God forgive me and, and he's failed and all these areas. But the reality is this, it is not our work that has the value. Nothing David did was valuable. It was what God did through him. That's us. What we're doing is not the value. It's what God's doing through us. I don't look at anything as an accomplishment to my name. I look at it as an accomplishment to, Lord, I obeyed you. That's our lives, to say, Lord, what are you asking of me? And that's our Christian faith. That's what we call the Christian walk, is understanding, getting closer to God, understanding, hearing his voice, reading the scripture, learning uh, how Jesus acted, learning what he did, how do we follow that example. And that's our Christian walk, because then in that, we begin to understand what God is asking of us. It is not our work that has value. It is God's work in us and through us that is of most value. Let me ask Pastor Jeremy to come up. Um, let's stand. Now, I want to leave you with this visual again. Let's go to the, the, the full picture, the full mosaic. Okay. Again, this is God's at work, right? God's, God's masterpiece. He's building something. But let's go to the zoomed-in one, <laughs> all of the one that's always zoomed in. This is the ugliness. This, this is the, the things that are going on in our life that are not perfect. And we're saying, like, Lord, like, I'm not perfect. But what God is saying is, I know. I'm, I'm working on you. I, I have a purpose and a design and a destiny for you. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to ask Pastor Mancha to come up, and he's going to pray for us.